Football is officially back, and we've got you covered right here on the Ringer NFL feed. I'm Shiel Kapadia, and every Tuesday and Friday, Ben Solak and I will be bringing you Extra Point Taken. Nora Princiati here to tell you that Steven Ruiz and I will be coming to you every Monday and Thursday. Our Monday show will recap everything from Sunday's games. Thursday's show will encompass any news during the week with an eye towards the next slate of games. Subscribe to the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow the Ringer NFL on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter at Ringer NFL. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the Ringer Wrestling Show Heels Recap. I'm joined by my tag team partner, Ben Lindbergh, as we recap Season 2, Episode 7, The Things That Matter. And Ben, before you ask... (laughs) Do you know what the phrase go-home show means in pro wrestling parlance? No, tell me. A go-home show is the episode of weekly television right before a big pay-per-view, or I guess as WWE now calls it, a PLE, right? Uh Or or in the old days, it was before your big arena show that you were trying to sell tickets to, right? The go-home show is the last show, and, and the point of the show is to tease you up for the show, right? It's to remind you of what matters for the big card. You know, yep. there's not always a lot in terms of plot advancement. It's just let's make sure that we have all of our ducks in a row. We and we we're gonna be, there'll be minimal fisticuffs, maybe some pull apart mm-hmm. brawls, but we're not putting anybody in the ring to spoil what's about to happen. We're ju- all we're doing is 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 the tease. And like I said, I wrote this down totally. Said before I wrote down the title of the show for this, it's to make sure you remember what matters for the big card, right? And yes. the name of this episode is the things that matter. <laughs> I, I bring that up to say this was a pretty slow episode of mm-hmm. of heels. This was uh, more contemplative, and and there was the least things happening. Uh, I think that it's compared to any other episode this season. And yet, I'm excited for the I'm excited for the pay per view. I'm excited for the finale. Is that yeah. does that does that jibe with how you experience this show? Very much so. Yeah, we just had back to back bangers, right? So. I had a feeling that maybe we were in for a slight pre-finale lull, which is often the case, you know? So it sets up all the storylines, all the the season-long stories that have been germinating are rising to the surface here. The secrets are coming out, and we're reminded of the stakes, which are no less than basically a battle between good and evil, right? Or at Mm -hmm. least wrestling good and evil. And I'm pretty hyped for what's coming next because uh, there's a lot that has to be resolved. I guess we can talk about how we expect it to be tied up or or what we're looking forward to specifically at the end of this recap. But if the job was to get me excited for next week, not that I wasn't already, but I'm in for the finale. Um, Let's quickly recap what happened in this episode of the show. Um, I'm just going to run through it because there's not a lot in terms of, of big thing. There's no, there's not like one big storyline. Ace got a job. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Ace went running a couple yeah. times. He got a job <laughs> at a at a um, at a healthcare facility. Uh, uh, retirement home is not the right. Yeah, word, assisted uh, like living, a, right? Assisted yeah. living facility. Yeah. Um, He's jogging now, which, as you said, that's what Jack used to do, right? We used to see Jack mm-hmm. on his runs through the countryside, and then we saw Stacy do it. So Ace is just getting his act together, right? He's uh, learned from his elders, I guess, and, and he's trying to get everything lined up. It doesn't go so great in his job, but he handles it better than he would have in the past. Ace, who is up to this point, not a one-dimensional character, but a sort of one-track character, is now... Uh, evolving into a multi-track character. And we see that because he's in like demonstrably different outfits depending on the <laughs> scene, right? He's in his like, his work clothes are very work clothes. You know, it's like the slacks and the shirt of someone that works uh, at an assisted living facility. He's got his his uh, condemned costume that he just kind of wears willy-nilly whenever he thinks uh, the, the situation <laughs> uh, suggests it. And then of course, he's wearing a blazer for the big party at the end tonight. He He's very, he's, he's there's some dimensionality happening there before our very eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, Willie as a big episode, she's gets into it with her daughter, with her husband about, mm-hmm. uh, why she doesn't care. Why it seem, seem to care about her home life anymore. She has, has it out with Gully, um, yeah. has it out her with Crystal again. attitude toward higher education. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then has it, and then has a, you know, a, hopefully a fruitful conversation with Bill later on. Um, there's a promo class in which Big Jim shines. Big Jim is kind of getting his opportunity to move up the card before mm-hmm. our very eyes in this episode. As someone who is seemingly kind of written off the show is now making his big comeback. What else? Willie, I mean, so Crystal uh, has her thing with Willie, also has a, you know, uh, goes to the doctor with with um, Bobby Penn. Bad news mm-hmm. for Bobby Penn yep. on, his, on his rehabilitation. It's just the good news was delayed. That's all it was. It's not yeah, right. <laughs> that's the, <laughs> that's the way to look at it. Yes. <laughs> look at the bright oh, side. Oh, yeah. man. Bobby Finn's going to need a pin in that leg, I think. His his wrestling career could be in jeopardy, so I hope his reporter shtick is uh, working out well for him. The camera lingered on him as if we were looking through Crystal's eyes. There were some lingering shots of Bobby Pin, And Bobby Pin mm-hmm. is one of those sort of John Hammy, like, like distract, distractingly conventionally attractive fellows, you know, and when he's just <laughs> yeah. sort of like mullet like, aside, I mean, maybe that enhances the attractiveness. Maybe, who knows, it depends. Man. Yeah. All these kids, my, I'm watching my son's soccer game, man. All these kids got mullets now. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, he, that, there was, there was some, some good looks for Bobby Penn, despite the, the bleak outlook yeah. on his leg. Um, maybe he can be Crystal's valet now. Yeah, maybe so. Oh, that's a good mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Um, Gully uh, and his daughter th- throw a party. Uh, I guess there's dueling parties for the Continuum crew yeah. or the Continuum head Jen coming to town. When are they not throwing a party? Party at Gully's house every night, seemingly. Yeah, exactly. And everybody's everybody's out there wooing Continuum. Uh, and then, of course, I think if there's one big, uh, besides Willie, the, the, the one big plot element of this show was Stacy's kind of steadily peeling back the layers of King Spade's of Tom Spade, I guess he's not in character when he's doing this, of Tom Spade's financial malfeasance, I guess. This Mm -hmm. is the one time when malfeasance is the appropriate word to say out loud. Uh, (laughs) All the different things that he did to try to keep the company afloat over the years, including borrowing money, as we know, from Wild Mm -hmm. Bill. And Wild Mm -hmm. Bill and Stacy have one of the most sort of heartfelt, I mean, there's a lot of heartfelt one-on-ones in this show in general, this episode in particular. 
Uh, but that one really worked me the best. I don't know why. I think it was because we don't really see those two interact very much. And they're two of the kind of most compelling characters on the show. And you saw them really. It's like in pro wrestling. It's like, I like this wrestler. I like this wrestler. But like the chemistry of when they get together in the ring is going to matter a lot. Right. Whether mm -hmm. or not I really want to see them fight. And those yeah. two had, I thought, really profound chemistry. I'm guessing Tom thought this was all just going to go away when he died. All the debt in the loose ends and... Maybe he didn't think about it at all, but Jack and A started it all up again with no idea. And there it was, and now we're here. No one's going to buy the DWL with the amount of debt we have. We could sell this place three times over and still not pay back what we owe. Not to mention all the other stuff going on financially. If I had any money left to give, Stacy, I'd give it. Mean that. All I got's my bag of tricks and my elbow grease. Jack doesn't know about any of it. I can tell. I don't know what he'll do when he finds out. I don't know what he'll do. Jack is nothing like Tom. I'm not saying your speculation's accurate about me lending Tom money, but please, please, do not tell Jack about this speculation. Worries. I'm just happy to be back here. Building the DWL with y'all. You know, one thing that um, Jesse and I were talking about before we came on the air was there was some point, and it was before the end of the show. Well, you're going to talk about that last scene. At some point, I was just watching this show, watching Stephen Amell say something totally inconsequential. Uh, <laughs> but he he's been out of his promo voice, as I think that you <laughs> described it for a couple yeah. of episodes now, uh, except when he's yelling, fuck you, at, at, at uh, Gully on the phone. Um, <laughs> he was just saying something totally inconsequential and I was just like, damn, this guy's a good actor, man. Like they're <laughs> like they're at some point in this season, I just forgot that this dude is, you know, doing an accent that he's playing a character. I'm he's just, I'm just totally like he's he's just this he is Jack Spade to me. And it's it's yeah. really great. Uh but he's not been in he he is sort of receded into the into the wallpaper on the show sort of in a way that coincides with Jack Spade's decision to try to share the load a little bit. Do you think that right. this is a deliberate choice that we're like giving other actors chances to shine and Amel is taking a step back sort of deliberately? Seems like it. It's always been a strong ensemble series, but it's been notable lately that, I mean, when was the last time we gave Jack our episode MVP? It's been a minute, right? It's been mm -hmm. the Wild Bill show. It's been the Willie show. It was, again, this episode. So everyone else has stepped up. And you're right, that's happening as he has stepped back, I guess you could say, at the DWL. Not exactly. He's still the ringleader, but he is sharing the load, right? And mm -hmm. Stacy said as much in this episode. She said to him, you know, like, look what happens when you let people in, when you let people share this load. Look how fulfilling and meaningful it is for them. You give them look purpose. Yeah, right. Look what happens when the DWL comes together as a family, right? If I can so, make another ham-fisted wrestling parallel here, it's sort sure. of like in the old in the old days, not the WWF, WWE stuff, but like in the old NWA territorial days, the champion was an international champion, but all these different regional promotions had their own shows, right? And the champion would kind of go from place to place and confer legitimacy onto the top guys in the in the in the region by giving them a title match and sometimes by losing a contested match to them or something so that it looked like your local champ could go toe to toe with the big national champion and there's a there's an element to which 
Amel, Jack Spade, whoever, has like conferred legitimacy onto kind of the main eventers as we described them at the very beginning of this series. And then there, there's a sort of trickle-down effect that they're able to elevate the people that they work with on the mm-hmm. show, you know? And, and, and the champ, for his part, just sort of wanders in and out. The sort of like itinerant preacher thing, you know? He's like, he's there, <laughs> and then he's, like, he's gone, he's doing his own thing, and then he's back, and he's there just enough to sort of keep everybody to keep everybody relevant, you know? He's mm-hmm. the, I used to always say John Cena might not be your favorite wrestler, but he was the guy that made your favorite wrestler matter by standing next to him in the ring, you know? Mm-hmm. And, that, and I think that's a, that's a part of the wrestling tradition is what we see him doing. Yeah. One other important scene maybe we should mention as Stacy is finding the skeletons in the closet or the boxes in the basement that Jack has apparently never been to, which seems like almost willful ignorance on his part, just wanting everything to stay buried where it's been along with Tom Spade. Just to, but, yeah, the, the very explicit. She was like, have you ever seen this? I mean, if you look at yeah. all these boxes in the basement, he's like, I've never been never in the been basement, <laughs> which is <laughs> right. just like at first it's like, what a wild plot contrivance. But then you're right. It is. This is just willful ignorance on the part of this character. Yeah, right. And. She also has the heart-to-heart, right, as you said, you know, with with Bill and that scene where last week, of course, we we talked about, is this going to come out, right? Is the fact that Bill was actually helping Tom out, that he was lending him money, is that going to surface somehow? Is he going to have to reveal that? As it turns out, he did not have to reveal it. He didn't have to break that confidence because Stacy figured it out on her own. And he danced around confirming it, came close to confirming it, but asked her not to tell Ace and Jack. So he's still trying to honor Tom's legacy there. But apparently that was just the tip of the iceberg when it came to the TWL's financial problems here. So I don't have a press box approved only in journalism word I can use here, like your malfeasance from earlier. But it's very much, uh, I think, a dire situation, right? And, And so much of this episode is good vibes and one big happy family and everyone's coming together. And of course, you know, wow, things are going too great. Everyone's getting along, right? It's too soon for the happy ending. This is the penultimate episode, not the finale. So you knew that hopes were going to be dashed and dreams were going to be dashed in some form. But at the end, of course, Stacy just comes clean. You know, she doesn't want to spoil this little bubble that has formed around Jack, that he's having a happy day here. But she has to tell him. He has to be read in on this at some point. And so now he knows it's all out there more or less in the open. It's all about what Tom Spade has done. And like you said, she airs it out for him. His last line of the penultimate episode of the show is through tears welling in his eyes. He says, I hate him. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I hate not. I hate him for what he's done. I hated him. I whatever. It's like in this very moment, Mm -hmm. he knows that his wife didn't just do that to him, which is the mistake a lot of people make when someone's delivering bad news to you. Right. Don't shoot the messenger. The, In this moment, I hate my he, father. He shot himself already, right? <laughs> <laughs> before we get to the awards, before we break this down any further, what's at stake in the finale? Because my anxiety watching this episode move as slowly and sort of deliberately as it did was that we have way too much left for one pay-per-view, right? We know that there's a super show coming up between Florida Dystopia and the DWL, right? Presumably this card will be the feature of the finale. At the same time, Continuum is talking about buying one or both of these promotions. 
Jin, the I don't even know if do we know her title? No. She's she's the, the top <laughs> dog boss. at continuum. Yeah. Brooks's boss Jin is now mm-hmm. in town partying with Rooster and the rest of mm-hmm. the dystopian crew. Her decision is going to have a lot of bearing in the finale. We have all this stuff about the financial solvency of Duffy Wrestling. Of course, that could just kind of be swept under the rug with continuing being like, don't worry, we'll take care of all that, you know, but mm-hmm. who, who knows? I mean, that that would be, I'm not sure of how fulfilling a payoff that would be. I'm not sure how much time we have for anything yeah. else. This is before the the streaming market correction, right? So <laughs> there's still free, free spending, hopefully, at Continuum these days, not cutting back yet. Yeah. Although I do, it, it may set the stage. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think I would feel pretty sad about it, but it could, I mean, it could be as simple as like, we're going to start a new wrestling company with a new name and you really can just set Duffy Wrestling League on fire and never worry about all this, all the shenanigans that Tom pulled again. Right. Because I yeah. think at one point Stacy says he thought all this stuff would go away when he died, when he, you know, when mm-hmm. he killed himself and, and it doesn't, you know, this stuff, just like everything else that your parents do to you lives on, let me in forever. Um, yeah. So there's the, all that is going on. Then also we have this giant uh, Willie storyline where, where Gully's trying to hire her. Tell me what's going on. here. Is he trying <laughs> to, by in their last conversation during the Florida dystopia party where he's tell, where he's saying, do I pour gin another mojito over and over again? Mm-hmm. At this point, is he trying to hire Willie separate from crystal or is the deal is the deal still contingent on crystal jumping ship as well? And this is just, that's the wedge that he's using. I got the sense that he wants Crystal more, that it's kind of a package deal for him. Maybe he would take either just to stick it to Jack. Maybe he actually does think highly of Willie, but... Well, it seems like the, he does, but I yeah, but, I, but I, I can't tell how much of a... I can't tell if he's if he's actively trying to court Willie as a loan or as part of a two-person deal, or if he's only using her to get Crystal. Like, is that... that that's confusing to me. I think he's hoping that it'll be leverage that she would bring Crystal with her. She, Gully isn't privy to the conversation that Willie and Crystal had had earlier in the episode where Crystal basically said, I'm not going anywhere. I like it here. So he's still thinking that maybe Willie can deliver Crystal or talk her into it, which doesn't seem like that's going to happen as of now. But yeah, clearly Willie is tempted. I mean, Willie is wilding out in this episode, right? She is spiraling. She is, you know, putting some liquor in the morning coffee, if there even was coffee in that mug. Mm -hmm. And she's lashing out at everyone, right? At her daughter, at her husband. And what was revealed, I think, by that conversation with the husband is that this has been an ongoing issue, which I, I think we knew that this was not the first time that she had collapsed on the bedroom floor after a bender, right? But this is going back to their daughter's childhood, that she's not really there. She's just around the wrestling league, right? And so it's almost like she's a wild animal that this guy is trying to domesticate, right? Well, yes, but also it's not like he just pulled her out of the alley or whatever. Like, according to him, it used to be better. Yeah. You know, I think, what was his line? He said, uh, this house used to be your refuge. You don't want to be here, do you? What's that supposed to mean? You're uncomfortable in this house. Something about it all just makes you nervous. Well, then I've been nervous for quite a long time. You didn't used to be. This house used to be your refuge. I used to be your refuge, but now it seems like I'm a cage. This house is a cage. You think I don't see it? 
Why you stay late at the DWL every night? It's your natural habitat there. You feel free. You can spit, snarl, and lash out, do whoever you want. You know that won't fly here. Different rules in this house, but you don't want to learn them. You don't want to change. And this guy is the opposite of, of Wild Bill, right? He's extremely not wild. And so it seems as if, I mean, who knows? Maybe she genuinely loves him or loved him, but it seemed like he offered an oasis and some safety, as he's saying, right? That she was attracted to because it was just so different from her world from all the drama of Tom and Bill and wrestling, right? And her dreams not working out. Obviously not knowing the answer. Do you think Willie is more affected by Tom Spade's death or by the return of Wild Bill? It seems like the return of Wild Bill and, and his daily presence has been the real instigator here that has sort of, you know, led to a relapse for her in certain ways. So, I, I totally agree. But the only thing is that like their relationship has just been so devoid of angst in any direction, mm. sort of, you know? It's like they actually just have, like, real healthy friend conversations whenever they get together, you know? And <laughs> Lately, I, but, yeah. Last season was a different story. True, but, uh, true. Yeah, I, I am, I'm wondering, actually, one thing I'm, I'm looking ahead to the finale. I mean, is there a rekindling here? Are we building up to them getting back together? Has that ship sailed? Because, obviously, things are not great with Willie's marriage. And that seems like it was prompted in part by Bill being around. I mean, he was living in the house for a while, right? And clearly there are still feelings there on Bill's part toward her. And it seems like those could potentially be reciprocated if things are going badly for her at home. And mm -hmm. she was asking about, you know, is Bill still dating the lady from the fair, right? She's inquiring about his relationship status there. So, I mean, I know that's there to help us as the viewer also. But when I listen to that line in the show, I think my my feeling was if she really cared, she wouldn't have to ask, right? Like mm -hmm. she would already be keeping tabs on these things sort of, you know, if, they, if, that, if it was that meaningful to her. Or, but may, maybe that's just the way could that she's going to react yeah. to everything. It, it could be reminding us that Bill is kind of taken, although he certainly didn't present it that way. He described it as more of a casual thing, right? And if Willie were to make a move on Bill, even after all these years, it's clear that he hasn't completely moved on. So I'm wondering whether that happens, whether that would be bad for them, good for them, whether that's what they actually need to move past yeah. this decades old wounds, right? Do they just need to get back together or would that send them both into a spiral? Because they're so similar, right? I mean, even their names, Bill and Willie, right? And they just both either love the life or are addicted to the life, can't get away from the life. Even at the beginning of this episode, she's lashing out at Jim when he walks in, Bill's lashing out, even if kind of playfully at the dad, right? They're both just ready to fly off the handle at, at any moment because they take this life so seriously, but also they're on a hair trigger. So maybe that means they're a terrible match or maybe it means they're a perfect fit for each other. And, I never and noticed the names. All along. Yeah. Never, the names never occurred to me. That's a, that's yeah. a, that's a maybe very obvious, but great catch by you. Yeah. I, I don't know that I ever knew that the dad was named Miles either. So now we know that. <laughs> uh, yeah. There are a lot of people who's like throughout this show where I just write down like, like job title or like, you know, you know, whatever, like character role, you know, daughter, colon, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, that, but, but at some point, I'm just like, I got to learn all these names. I got to check IMDb because every yeah. people are jumping into the main event or at least the upper <laughs> mid card left and right on this show. So I guess 
are we to believe just to put a bow on this Willie thing? Because she was it was just a downward spiral for her this episode. Yeah. And going off on on Crystal, too. Right. I mean, in the guise of sort of sticking up for her and, and giving her advice about sticking up for herself, but also kind of jumping all over her for a pretty innocuous comment. Right. <laughs> and Crystal was like, is this about Gully? Like, clearly something else is going on with yeah. you right now. So whoever was in her orbit was just going to get a hiding in this episode one way or another, whether it's her, her daughter or her ex or, or poor big Jim, who's just trying to take a, a therapeutic bike ride to calm himself on the way to work. Right. Yeah. When you, when you mentioned that you've been riding your bike more lately, you're kind of looking for a pat on the back, yeah. <laughs> not to be a kind of excoriated <laughs> for your time management. So it's, it's, I mean, it's kind of downward for her the whole episode. Then she has this conversation with Bill where at the end she says, you know, she, she kind of says, I've been messing up a lot. I've, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes. And Bill's like, oh, we've all made mistakes. She's like, no, yeah. I've been making a lot of mistakes like up until 30 seconds ago. You know, like these are life altering <laughs> yeah. mistakes I can't stop making. And on the yeah. one hand, she's talking about, you know, continuing the backroom sh- dealings of Tom Spade, the payoffs and whatnot. Maybe she's talking about her personal life, too. You know, who knows? I've made a lot of mistakes here, Bill. In this place. We both did. We were young. I'm not young anymore. Kept making them. I did, too. Around the globe. Lost track of what was right and wrong when I was around Tom. It's easy to get swept up. I'm not blaming him, but those mistakes... We're starting to catch up to me now. Nothing catches up with you, really. <laughs> Nothing you can't escape. Yeah. I think that's going to happen this time. So she has that conversation with him, and then they air the video. I guess well, we can yada yada through this, but there's a there's the Florida dystopia party. There's the Duffy Wrestling League party. They're going at the same time. Jen from Continuum decides she's going to stay at the Florida party and not even go to Duffy. And so they just have the party on their own. They air the video on their own, uh, the promo package video that they made. I have some issues with that video too, but it's, you know, (laughs) heartrending and everything else. And at the end of that, are we supposed to buy that Willie has seen the light because of what that video meant to her? I didn't read it that way. I read it as if anything, she's feeling maybe some some guilt, some remorse, because she basically betrayed the DWL in the middle of this party, right? Everyone came together. Deb is uh, building the balloon, not cave, but balloon arch, right? Yes. Everyone's pitching in. And meanwhile, Willie's in the back room dealing with Gully and basically backstabbing everyone who's around her celebrating. So did she see the light? I I don't think so. I mean, maybe she will be shamed into supporting them, but I I didn't read that as she's fully back on board now. I think there's just there's too much going on with her right now. And and that exchange that you mentioned when she talked about her mistakes catching up with her, I mean, not only the personal issues, but basically this this dome Ponzi scheme she's running here. I mean, a Ponzi scheme where no one's making any money, even in the short term, but just shifting things around to stay one step ahead of the bill collectors and the law. There's that. And she said something about how she doesn't think she could outrun it this time. Right. Which that makes me think of Tom, who ultimately decided that he couldn't 
keep running. He couldn't outrun anything either, right? He was a jogger too. We saw him jog everyone in this yeah. family is jogs. The, it's the, like they're all trying to outrun something. But that's a good point. But but Tom ultimately couldn't, right? He he stopped running that race. And in this episode, I think it's in the exchange that Stacy has with Bill, where it seems like Stacy's worried that if and when Jack finds out about everything Tom was hiding that he might do what Tom did, right? That mm-hmm. he might see no way out. And Bill reassures her that Jack is not his dad, right? But between that and Willie talking about not being able to outrun mistakes anymore, I'm not saying this will end with a another gunshot, but it's it's that sort of circumstance for, for Willie, at least right now. Do you think that, dry, that I'm, I can't outrun it anymore, do you think that means... Do you think that makes her more or less likely to go with Gully? I mean, is it, on, on the surface, I would think that means even leaving won't solve this problem. And True. yet, maybe leaving yeah. would solve that problem. <laughs> you know, it I mean, it like, might solve the problem for her, right? Yeah. If she's willing to, to leave everyone high and dry. Yeah, because it's not like they can even declare bankruptcy and change their name and just start fresh. Apparently, that has already happened, right? I think Stacy mentioned that there were bankruptcies in the past, but it's not just that they're in debt. It's that they've been doing shady, illegal stuff. Or yeah, go, yeah. Declaring Willie, bankruptcy right? so, helps you with the IRS. It doesn't help you with the people right. that you're like, <laughs> that you're like, you know, in hock to illegal. Right. You know, they're, yeah. they're going to still find you. Of course, if that comes to light, Willie would still potentially be liable for that, even if she's moved on. But if everything was in Tom's name or in the Spade's name, maybe she could just sail off scot-free and and just be with Gully and the FWD. I don't know whether she would do that. I don't know whether we'll see the full Willie heel turn here. I'd like to think that she could come back from the brink, but she's a, a complex, fascinating character. Well, you've way, got me so worried think, now. You've yeah, got me worried having a suicide talk. Yeah, I mean, either that or or ditching them entirely and just leaving them with the the flaming financial wreckage of the DWL. It's it's conceivable. God. I mean, Mary McCormick is one of the great actors on this show. Yes. One, you know, one of the sort of, I mean, relatively big names, I think, coming in, at least for, you know, movie watchers of our generation. But, Man, they could go in a lot of different directions. It wouldn't shock me yeah. if they wrote her off the show. It wouldn't shock me if they moved her over to Florida so she could kind of be the big boss, you know, the the heel for season three. And it wouldn't shock me if she kind of figured it out. Maybe it's some combination. Maybe she makes out with Wild Bill and still leaves town. You know, like <laughs> right. there, there, there could be a lot of things going on. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED highlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let's just do spoilers here. Who do you have for MVP of this episode? Who's the world champ of of this episode? (sighs) That's a tough one. Yeah, this is a really tough one 
I would be tempted to give it to Willie if I didn't feel that A, the sort of about face at the end felt a little bit either rushed or or non-existent. Mm-hmm. And B, I still feel like she's got another main event match left in her. I still yeah. feel like she might be the, ma- the, the, the main character of the finale of the show, despite the fact that we've got a lot of people who are going to be vying for attention in that <laughs> right. Room. Yeah, at, at this point, she's she's basically become the main character of Heels, right? Or, I mean, maybe Bill has been too, but but those two have ascended to the top of the card. There's clearly still a lot that has to be worked out with Willie. So I I I lean toward giving it to her just because she probably got the most screen time, right, and the most monologues and the most uh, emotion and rancor that that she showed. We got the scene with her husband. And her daughter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, that you can't take that lightly, right? I mean, that was the yeah. thing we've been asking for in the show. You know, that that sort of interaction, that sort of transparency into her character. But there, but we but we didn't get that final turn, you know? We didn't, we don't really know which, I don't mean it in the wrestling sense turn. I, I yeah. just mean, we, don't, we didn't get that last little bit. Um, it's really weird, too, because this show is very transparently, well, it's not transparent. This, this show is very much about the creative process, one, and that's how, you know, and how it bears out in the pro wrestling world, but but it reflects on the writer's room. It reflects on all of our forms of creativity. Mm-hmm. But it's also about star making, right? And you have this show where, like, these actors are, like, literally vying for screen time in the way that pro wrestlers do. That, just like in pro wrestling, if Willie doesn't get the main event in the finale... Or who, if if any of the top tier wrestlers don't get the main event in the finale, there are going to be people watching who feel like they've been shortchanged. Right. Yeah. Everyone's going to be feeling like Diego. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's tough because it's hard to foresee a, a simple happy ending in the short term for Willie specifically. I mean, talking about the financial mess when she had that showdown with Stacy a while back. Stacy was like, let's fix this. What can we do? And Willie was hopeless. I mean, she pretty explicitly said, there's no fixing this. You don't even want to know. It's just a matter of trying to, you know, pedal fast enough to stay ahead of this problem. So that's kind of what she's getting at with everything's catching up to her. That's just one of the many things that's catching up to her. So just because there's so much going on that seems like it's about to crest and culminate for her, I think I got to give it to her because... I don't know who else really had that sort of juice in this episode. Now, there were too many different threads, too many things going on. Jesse, do you agree? Yeah, you know, I also had trouble trying to find an MVP because this episode, there wasn't really one person that stood out more than, than the other. But I think I would give it to Willie, too, uh, more so because the consequences from the choices that she has to make or maybe ones that she's she's already made we just haven't been shown that she's made it um are going to have a big impact on the future of the DWL maybe ace just because of like the big uh character has he got growth shit he had. on his <laughs> and, and that <laughs> that was shit? extremely Literally? disgusting yeah <laughs> <laughs> i didn't like that at all <laughs> yeah <laughs> there was a famous moment in modern pro wrestling history the curtain call incident where these four wrestlers went out and or, and two of them were leaving wwf to go to wcw and it was their last show it wasn't on tv it was just a regular show at madison square garden and they all like hugged in the ring to say goodbye but two of them were good guys and two of them were bad guys and so it was this moment called the curtain call 
uh, infamously, where they all kind of pulled back the curtain on wrestling and ruined everything, according to old timers, by saying, you know, the, the feuds don't matter. We're real people. And uh, two of them left. The two that were remained in WF were Shawn Michaels and Triple H. Shawn Michaels was the champ, so he couldn't be punished functionally. But Triple H, who was on the cusp of a giant push, he was the only one that took the fall, pushed all the way back down to the bottom of the card, had to work his way back up, whatever. And Vince McMahon, who would eventually be his father-in-law, but not at this point, said, you're going to have to eat shit and learn to like the taste of it. That's like <laughs> the famous Vince McMahon quote. So, yeah. <laughs> who would yeah. ever thought after that Triple H would be where he's at now? No, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that bodes well for Ace. Two I guys, guess, two but... of the guys who saw who who were wise enough to realize that fans, you know, were ready to be have the curtain pulled back for them. Which you know, this show is part of that too. One thing I wanted to to ask you because in that conversation with Gully, he hints that Jack's never going to let you write. Right? He's not going to let you be front of house. It's the same sort of ploy and pitch that worked with Rooster. Right? Jack's never going to let you be the star. Do you get the sense that that's what Willie wants? Does she want to be writing for the DWL? We get a little bit of that, that that this season. I feel like using the term right almost, I mean, very explicitly did seem a little bit off. It's like, was yeah. Willie just like, you know, Willie doesn't have like, you know, a bunch of manuscripts on the floor of her bedroom that no one's right. gotten a chance to read, right? <laughs> this doesn't really seem like, but... You know, he could have just said, "We, I know you have better ideas. I know you have good ideas, and no one's listening to you." You know, right? Yeah. Using saying, but it was a little bit you, weird. You know, have to how to bribe county officials under the table. <laughs> that but, uh, <laughs> that part was odd. Yes, but I thought one of the most incredible parts of that conversation, which you talked about earlier, was at the end. It was the fact that Gully was the first person in two seasons of this show to actually figure out Willie. He's the mm. first person. And who knows with Bill, you know, maybe they have some backstory. But the fact that he, that Willie shot him down for the hundredth time. But Gully was smart enough to say the whole, I need your help right now. Do I need to go give Jen another mojito or tell her to go to down, down the road to death? Like to ask her a question where the answer could not be go fuck yourself. Right. Could <laughs> uh -huh. not be no. To ask her a question that would actually matter. Because it's not, it's easy enough for her to say, F off, like, I don't need, like, you know, uh, no, like, you know, you, I'm not going to give you an answer. Let me ask you a really narrow, really specific question that has really massive ramifications that this will matter. This functionally mm -hmm. answers the question for you. He's the first person to, like, get Willie dead to rights, which I thought was really amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And setting it up in such a way that she doesn't have to say it, just not saying anything says it all. Exactly. I did want to ask you, my wife was wondering the other day, I said, I'll ask David. This show kind of portrays the people in supporting roles as as wanting to be top of the card, right? I mean, Crystal, most notably, when she was on the sidelines, she wanted to be in the ring. When she was a valet, she wanted to wrestle. Is that generally true of people in the wrestling world that everyone wants to be in the ring, that everyone wants to be writing, that everyone wants a, a creative starring role. I mean, yeah. is that crystal specific or is that kind of a common dynamic when it comes to... Well, sure, there, there are, are going to be exceptions. Cast. Yeah. There are going to be exceptions to the rule. Pro wrestling is usually like... Yeah, I mean, there's no... There are very few wrestlers. I mean, there's no way you get into... You go to wrestling school day one without imagining... Having imagined yourself in the main event at WrestleMania. Sure. Right? <laughs> now, for some people, it might it might you know, sort of the, the reality might set in earlier for some people than others. If you're like, okay, well, all these guys just see me as like 
an angry troll or something like, you know, there's going to be like, I'm going to be typecast. There's going to be a limit, but I can do the best version of that. But I still think everybody wants to be everything. Everybody mm -hmm. grew up wanting to be Hulk Hogan. Like, that's the job I want. I want to be the ultimate warrior. I don't want to be, you know, one half of the killer bees or whatever, as awesome as those mm -hmm. dudes were. So, yeah, I do think that everybody sort of aspires. For, and, and wrestling is, a, is an industry where you can sort of wear a bunch of different hats. You know, wrestlers, the people who write the show, and I'm using write in a very broad sense here, book the show. Sometimes it's the owner. Sometimes it's the world champion. You know, and sometimes it's the, sometimes there's world champions that are champion first, then have gotten the opportunity to be in charge of creative and then get removed from that job. But they're still champion. Like it's not these things are separate enough that you can keep going on whatever on one of your lanes and have the other one yanked away. Um, sometimes the people who are writing are just like the announcers, the referees, like people who are just sort of in the brain trust that have these other jobs. And it's funny, too, because. Some of the most talented people in wrestling who are not wrestlers started out as people who either as wrestlers or but or people who are just wrestling fans people who wanted to be around you know like yeah. jim ross like crystal who, <laughs> yeah yeah exactly like jim ross who's like one of the most legendary announcers in any industry was just like driving was like the driver when he started mm -hmm. out he was literally sweeping floors paul Heyman started out as a ringside photographer as a teenager you know like <laughs> I just, he just wanted to be close to the action and now he's just like his he's one of the industry's like true geniuses. So yeah, I do think everybody wants to do everything. I still I yeah. guess there I think there are some people who would probably be happy to not have to open a laptop ever, you know, and people who who but I think for most of the people who don't really have the I'm going to paint with a broad brush here because this doesn't just apply to wrestling. But I think that most people who who don't want to actually do the work of writing or of being creative probably still think that like pitching ideas is all that really all that really goes into it right they probably don't imagine the job very much so yeah i think that everybody wants to do everything yeah. i think that i think that everybody i mean i think that there are some people who are more convicted of their ideas than other people of their you mm -hmm. know but i think that yeah i think that i think if you ask most wrestlers they'd probably say oh yeah i would love to be i would love to have a hand in creative you know? Yeah. Also, makes sense. also all these folks are, are, are booking their careers for after their knees go out too. It's just like <laughs> right. they all want to, they all want to be employed. They all want to be employed for the rest of their lives. And you know, you all, it, every, everybody would love the triple H career trajectory. Yeah. I'm, yes. I'm, a, I'm a, I'm a CEO now or COO or COC CEO. I don't even, <laughs> instead of the wild bill trajectory where you're broke and going to, to card shows, right? Is but... wild bill being broke, uh, a revelation <laughs> in this episode? I think that we kind of could have inferred that from the fact that he was living in a motel, right? And he was on the phone with his agent at some point talking about get me paid, right? Yeah. It is sort of surprising in light of how much he was raking in, apparently, up till fairly recently, according mm -hmm. to his conversation with Tom. So clearly, financial planning was not his strong suit, <laughs> it seems like. I know he's a heavy drinker. It's tough to drink through that much money in that amount of time but he must have been spending it in other ways so well we know that he gave a lot of money to the dwl um, yeah half a million. i think it can be yeah. implied yeah i mean and and that's a lot of money especially post-tax money you know i mean like you know and off the books money too you know that's a, that's a lot of money to be blowing through it's interesting yeah. that that stacy figured out fi figured this out basically she she looked at the books and realized that oh, this money is coming from bill yeah, it had to come from somewhere. Why do you think it was important to Bill for her to not tell Jack or Ace uh, that, that he had given all that money? 
I think he just wants to honor Tom's wishes when it comes to his family not knowing that he was taking handouts, although really it's sort of futile because Jack hates Tom, as he says at the end of the episode. I mean, maybe that's just the heat of the moment, but we have a fair amount of evidence to go on that there's no love lost between those two going back a bit. So it's not as if if uh, Jack found out that, that Tom was taking money from Bill, that Jack would be upset. Like, wow, I, I thought my dad was some paragon who was uh, providing for his family on his own and <laughs> and helping prop up the DWL, right? I mean, if anything, it would probably just improve his relationship with Bill. But for Ace, possibly, just because there's still a little bit maybe of, you know, younger brother hero worship with Ace and King Spade, and, and maybe it would shatter the illusion a little bit, but but not really. Well, you, like so, so you think it's yeah. more more the promise that he made to Tom than it's an so. actual implication about the present? I think so, yeah. Although, again, just being bound by that promise, uh, you know, I guess it's your, your honor bound to your dead friend, but I, I can't imagine that finding out about that now would change the Spade brothers' thoughts about their dad. Like, I think their eyes are open when it comes to who he was, right? I guess the I guess the practical question is like, would it just derail Jack to have another thing to worry about? Like, would he would Jack then just be obsessed with trying to pay him back rather than trying mm-hmm. to get the company right? You know, yeah, or just even more demoralized that there's just no way to make this work financially without someone just giving us cash. Oh, without the angel investor, then yeah, right. it's, it's, it is actually is ho- it's not it's not just mostly hopeless as it seems now. It's utterly <laughs> hopeless. Yeah, exactly. So. I just want to say, you know, you mentioned earlier, I think you asked whether Willie was spiraling because of Tom's death or because Bill's back in the picture. And we were leaning toward Bill. But I I remembered she had that line about how she lost track of what was right or wrong around Tom. Right. So if anything, she's probably better off without him. I mean, yeah, clearly things are not going in a great direction for her. But but a lot of what's catching up to her now is things that she did around Tom because of Tom when she was with Tom or wanting to be with Tom. So Tom was clearly a bad influence. And I think she knows that it's sort of like a hangover, right? Like her entire time with around Tom was was the binge. And now she's and that's probably explains her bad attitude, right? I mean, everybody's grumpy and grouchy. (laughs) And they're just when they got that foggy hangover head. That's right. Yeah. And just wanted to shout out because we gave the MVP to Willie almost by default. But but if there were another contender, I think it would have to be Ace who, you know, eats shit and and doesn't like it, but (laughs) moves on. Right. Says uh, you just got to, you know, wash that out of your mouth. But but you just uh, it doesn't mean shit shit in your mouth. Right. And he has just completely turned over a, a new leaf. Like we've seen a lot of characters. I mean, certainly Jack has kind of corrected course, right? In that he was, you know, his marriage was falling apart and he was angry and he's gotten that under control and he and Stacey are solid again. And Bill clearly has kind of gotten his life under control to some extent. I think Ace, though, is the most reborn character here and and kind of a, a literal rebirth with the condemned who yeah. he seems to see the condemned as an actual entity right that is like one of the, my favorite little tweet <laughs> little bits about this show is is yeah is how he it, it's taken this character for him to be able to like understand himself yes you know it's a very pro wrestling thing he talks about the condemned as if the condemned is a 
separate person, but also him, right? It's his alter ego, right? He talks about how the condemned has given me access to some self-connected Zen awareness, right? And he's now taking everything in stride. I love how he said that the old me would have hit the guy, the guy who... Yeah, the old man who threw shit at him. Which... Of course, that would be unacceptable behavior for an orderly working in an assisted living facility. But the old days definitely would have done that. I mean, the old days wouldn't have been working there in the first place. But it was just the start of this season that Ace was freaking out. You know, if he was at the motel and like the railing on the side of the sink broke off, that was enough to cause a tantrum and and have him trash his hotel room here. He has shit in his mouth and he's just kind of looking at it philosophically. You know, he's really gotten his life in order. And we didn't really mention, but the conversation that he has with Crystal, where they kind of hash out their history and baggage, where, you know, he kind of plaintively, you know, you feel for him. He, He goes to her and he's, you know, eager to make clear that he's not flirting with her. And then he says... I was in love with you, right? Like, was what we had real? And I don't know whether he's angling to get back with her. I I think not really, right? I think he's sort of accepted it, but he also wants to know, was this something real? Did I pass up something that could have been meaningful? And I think he did, right? I mean, Crystal is happy and, and in love with Bubby, seemingly, but learning that Ace was in love with her all along, that rocks her back on her heels because when we met her at the beginning of the show, she was sort of the unrequited puppy love, right? And and Ace was treating her poorly and she just wanted that acknowledgement from him. And now she finally got it. And even though she's moved on and she's leveled up in any number of ways, yeah. I think there's still a, a part of the old season one crystal who hearing that is is kind of shaken to know that that was the case all along. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I think that's always going to be part of. I mean, that's how we are, right? We're we're all, mm-hmm. we're still always that hurt person that we were a year ago yeah. or ten years ago or whatever. And I think that yeah. we're seeing that. I think that there, yeah. this was on Ace's for Ace's part. This is a time where real life reality sort of ran up against TV show reality for me. Where it's like, I think that in this show, we're. I think that you're right. I think that we're supposed to feel like he's just sort of on a philosophical quest and <laughs> trying to understand whether or not what he thought was love was love. I think in reality, it's hard to imagine a situation in which he wouldn't want to get back together with Chris. At least, <laughs> right. be, at least in that moment, you know, mm-hmm. like you know, whatever. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, we'll see. And, and he also says, "My life's going to be about making up for that moment I broke his leg, Bobby's leg, right?" Which yeah. he had apologized to to Bobby way back, but the fact that you know he's still having trouble healing and and this is weighing on him, and now he has dedicated his life to to doing good to sort of undo the bad that he did he's like well on his way to seeing himself as not the despicable bad person that he saw himself as at the start of this season so yeah the, that's the thing, encouraging. breaking breaking bobby's leg i always forget i mean just in the moments of seeing him with crystal how significant that is you know yeah i mean how how, how much kind of interplay there is in all of those relationships yeah and it is a very pro wrestling thing to like break somebody's leg and then like you know, bygones are bygones 15 minutes later, but like still that's, Mm -hmm. it it matters to Crystal. It matters to everybody else. You know, even if, even if he and Bobby have hashed things out or whatever. Right. Yeah. So let me ask you this, because we get these diametrically opposed visions of what wrestling is and can be and what these leagues stand for. I mean, explicitly 
opposites of each other, right? Mm -hmm. Rooster goes up to Jen and, and says, we're about basically the darkness inside all of us, you know, like yeah. we're not going to pretend that we're good inside. We're just going to acknowledge that and give people permission to acknowledge that. Meanwhile, the DWL is sending the same message. We are you, you are us, but drawing a completely opposite conclusion from that. We are you joyful, useful, united right now. The promo that they cut here, seeing that in the wake of the party at Gully's house, you you kind of feel bad for them, right? I mean, it's it's such like, a mis- like like I don't want to watch, like like I want to yeah, avert my eyes. Bad, it's kind of cringy, yeah. right? I mean, we care about these characters, and it's heartfelt, and morale is high for them. Like this is meaningful for them, obviously. But seeing what worked on Jen, the pitch that that Rooster and Gully deployed and having a floating wrestling ring in the pool and a giraffe stashed somewhere and appealing to the dark side and how well that worked and then coming in here as we're the wholesome ones, we're going to remind everyone how good they are. This is just, it's so far from the mark, right? It comes off as corny in the wake of what we see go down at, at Gully's house. So, You got to think that given that they're just relegated to sending this promo via email, given the impression that Gully made on Jen that she didn't even show up at. I mean, does that rule out the DWL here or can they salvage this somehow by just having a great performance uh, and the condemned and Crystal bringing down the house? I was I was torn. I'm torn about this. The video, the promo package they made was idiotic. I mean, it was hard to watch. You could recut that and make it something, I think, a lot more palatable. A lot of the words that were spoken, especially Wild Bill, I thought were smart and and things that I feel and it was good to hear them like spoken aloud. Even some of the even just the sort of what wrestling means to you stuff. I mean, that's always that that certainly has its place. But I think that they got a huge win by her not seeing that live not or at least not didn't have to feel the presentation like this is what it was all leading up to you know i mean it was so divorced from the actual product you could imagine a video where like there's just like a you know someone jumps off the top rope and elbow drops somebody and you can feel it through the tv screen and then they get up and start saying those things you know or it's just like okay at least we're like we're inner we're cutting these two things together but it was just regular human beings talking and i think the thing that i was left with I almost wish that the Florida dystopia party was more debaucherous. I don't know how much they, I mean, there's no limit on what they can show on stars, but I don't know how far they wanted to push it there. But I think that, I think, and I hope that the lesson we're supposed to take from this is both of these companies could stand to learn a lot from each other. Mm. And Mm -hmm. my feeling is that we might see Jen rolling her eyes at that video and maybe Charlie Gully though sees it and sheds a tear. Mm. Right. Like you like that, that, that the message isn't really meant for her and maybe not meant for us. But I do think that there's going to be a lot of people who watch this and say and are affected positively by that video. But, you know, it's almost like putting up the balloon arch in the in the the dome. <laughs> it's like what's cool about that arena is how not pretty it is. What's yeah. cool about it. It's like when you go to an old diner. The best thing about an old diner is the amount of grease on the griddle, right? It's <laughs> right. like the it's like the it's Greasy the years yeah. the years of buildup, and and uh, and that's what's awesome about that venue. And you can't put lipstick on a pig, and you can't put a balloon arch, you know, in a rusty, dirty old venue and make it any better. It's 
the the age is what I mean. The the grittiness, the old timiness is what they should be accentuating. Now, the, what wrestling means to you, like I would rather. What's the woman's name? I keep forgetting the the fan who's there who built a balloon arch. Debbie. Uh, Deb. Deb. Yeah. Deb. I would have almost rather just watched Deb talk for fifteen minutes than to hear all the wrestlers <laughs> talk about what. Yeah. Why they're doing it? I you know I like Diego's story about his mom. That was a great way to open it and whatever. But it's like. If you want to hear what the fans have to say, you want to see what what let what but I but even still, I would rather see I think it'd be more compelling to watch the fans in that arena explode during an event when something happens than to just hear someone talk about it. Because that's the whole point of pro wrestling. It is a performance. You know, yeah. it's not it is not a philosophy strictly. It is a it's a performance and the reaction that a crowd gives you is a measure of that. Maybe it would have worked on Brooks. Brooks is a pretty wholesome guy, but it clearly was not the right approach for his boss. And I like your theory about Gully there, because I was going to say the exception, the thing that undercuts this good versus evil DWL versus FWD is that Gully's a pretty good guy, right? I mean, sure, he is foul mouthed and he can be kind of conniving, but He's like dad of the year for one thing, right? He's got the the yes. greatest dad-daughter relationship. So how can you hate the guy? You know, he gave Rooster a chance and Rooster's clearly made the most of that. And we saw him inquire about how Rooster's dad is doing. I mean, he's he's not a bad guy, even though he's holding this lawsuit over Jack's head. So it's a little hard to root against him. The more that we learn about him, the more that we like him, just enjoy his screen presence. but also find out more about his character. It's not like we're really sitting here rooting for Gully's downfall, right? No, I mean, they say in wrestling and in, you know, all over different kinds of fiction media, the best villains are ones who firmly, who actually believe that what they're doing is the right thing to do, right? I'm not trying to burn down a city. I'm not trying to rob a bank. I'm trying to do this, like, I think I'm making the world a better place by doing these diabolical things. Gully thinks he's doing the right thing. And it also makes people, I mean, the flip side of it is it makes those villains really hard to stay villains. I mean, that's what we see in pro wrestling over and over again. The more time you spend with an evil wrestler, the more you're like, you know what? I kind of want to root for that guy. You know, I've seen (laughs) him go through a lot. He put himself through a lot for my, the audience's benefit, right? So, um, you know, Gully's, Gully's the bad guy, but he's, got some sympathy some sympathy right he's got some yeah. he, there, there's a lot to like about him yeah and even though jack thinks that he's you know the shakespeare of, of wrestling and and clearly he does have some skills and some chops just like his dad too did when it came to writing there's no denying that gully has built a bigger audience he has a following so clearly his approach is is resonating with people as well right so i am curious to see what will happen how everyone will bounce back from just the indignity of Jen not showing up, a continuum just no showing here, and then also Jack finding out about the depths of his dad's depravity here, because really the the world is just constantly flinging shit in the spades' mouths, and in one way or another, figurative or literal, and and sometimes I wonder whether these messages, you know, like when the show is sending that message about what wrestling means and the significance of wrestling. There's kind of a metatextual aspect to that too, right? Where it's conveying the creators of the show's love for wrestling and sort of, you know, seconding the audience's appreciation for wrestling. And even when Jack at the end is sort of saying, you know, I love this, whether we make the big time or not, fuck the big time. 
that to me almost felt like it was kind of a commentary on the show, which seems like it it has trouble getting attention, but also it seems like they really like the show that they're making here as they should. So that's a good point. I mean, fuck the big time was interesting because Jack has been, I think I've had a little bit of trouble reconciling the degree to which Jack's just automatically all in on the continuum thing. You know, I mean, I think you do, you do, you hear what you want to hear as a human being, especially as a creative. If someone's like, I love what you're doing. Let me give you money for it. Then you just take that as a compliment. But it's also like, is there no part of him anymore? That's just like, this could ruin everything. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't know about the financial dire straits. He doesn't know about the necessity of it to, you know, to, to some, to that degree. But I guess in pro wrestling, everybody's always, everybody always wants to call up, you know, nobody gets. If WWE gives you a call, there's going to be very few wrestlers who are just like, I'm concerned they don't understand my character. Let me, <laughs> right. like, you know, let's make sure that, let's put some conditions on this contract. Like, no, you're yes. just going to say, okay. You know, right. and, and, and and by force of power, by will, you're going to, you know, get into the main event of wrestling. Although that was uh, Jack's stance in season one when he stood in the way of Ace making it, but that was not solely out of concern for Ace's welfare. Well, that's but... part of why I'm so, that's why the Jack's, you know, I think, I think, but when you're, when you're the one being wooed, I, I guess it comes, it feels a little bit different. Yeah, right. And this is the, the new Jack, right? I mean, imagine the Jack of season one calling Ace when he's having a hard time and saying, Ace, I need you to, to help me out of this hole. I need your creative input here, which is partly a testament to how Ace has changed, but also how Jack has changed and the fact that Ace Ace can come in, you know, still with his illegible handwriting, I guess, but he had an idea that Jack accepted, although arguably it was not a great idea because, as you said, the video itself, the promo was was maybe a miscalculation. But Jack is yeah, so I didn't even think to, about the fact that it was Ace's idea. It was I mean, Ace's there, idea, right? It's part of his whole positivity kick. Yeah, there was an element too where it's like Jack almost just needs to ask somebody to turn on his own creative juices. Like he, it, like it's there. There's an element of of working together sure but it's almost like as soon as he says somebody says to somebody i need you to do this i need you right now i've got too many yeah. things going on it's like the next sentence out of his mouth is the solution right. you know yeah. it's like he, he, <laughs> as soon as they sit down he's like oh actually i got this thank you yeah for that's right that. yeah he he always has someone hounding him for a script and now it's gully of all people i thought gully by the way i mean we, we got to wrap this up at some point but i thought gully sort of missed the mark there too by going after jack so hard it's like the 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 correct tact would have been yes you are Shakespeare but there's also a deadline Shakespeare <laughs> yes you know like instead <laughs> right. of being like nobody gives a fuck about what you want to write like no mm-hmm. every wrestler every every promoter thinks they're Shakespeare no let the guy <laughs> let the guy basket it a little yeah. bit he's good at he's, this yeah he's he's proved that he's good at this right he's demonstrated that to Rooster and Gully and and in that gathering where morale is so high I think it was Stacy said big bellies, full hearts. And of course, I thought can't lose just filling yeah, exactly. in the Friday highlights. And of course, they could lose or at least they lost temporarily. And and when she's giving Jack that pep talk and saying, you know, just tell her what you love and why you love it. All that has to happen is, you know, you impress people just by walking in the room. He doesn't even get in the same room with her. So he doesn't even get a, a chance to turn on the charm here. So yeah. how do they bounce back from that? That is the big question heading into next week. It is. You know, we're talking about the world champ of this episode. I actually think this is a battle royal. I don't even think mm. we give out a world championship for this <laughs> yeah. episode because there's just too many things happening. I'm not sure a lot of the a lot of the awards are going to be a little bit off because this is the go-home show. All we're doing is setting it up. 
Uh, if you want to keep Willie, you can keep Willie. But I'm just saying, this is <laughs> this this was a schmoz in the nicest possible way. This is like a Pier Six brawl where all the all the big wrestlers just come out at the end and end up brawling with each other just to get you stoked for like the the big you know the, yeah. the pay per view next week. It's not much easier to pick the main event, right? Sort of the same same deal, same quandary. No, I mean I think that that there was a lot. There were it was Willie's plot and Stacy's sleuthing. Mm-hmm. And she finally told Jack at the end, I think that's got to be it. I mean, I just yeah. don't know. I, I don't know that there was any resolution to the continuum storyline that you could really pin it on. And I think that her coming, I think that her figuring all this stuff out, she talked to Bill, she obviously talked to Willie, and just her saying it out loud to Jack after Jack has tasked her with this, basically. You know, this is, she found out more than she wanted to know. I think that's got to be the main event. Yeah, I can't top that. Holy shit moment. Was there was it the, was it the literal <laughs> shit moment? It's got to be right. <laughs> I think it is. I mean that that definitely. I was taken aback by that. I think it is appropriate to give that the holy shit moment. Yeah, <laughs> and I guess what best gimmick do you have? Do you have a favorite smaller moment here? I mean, how can you not give it a Debbie? Come on. Yeah, <laughs> Debbie. Debbie. She's a Debbie's national treasure. I want yeah. nothing to ever happen to Debbie after this episode. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people came to tears or the verge of tears in this episode, whether it was Stacy or it was Big Jim, right? Getting mm-hmm. getting talked to or or Debbie in a different kind of uh, happy, heartfelt tears. So, yeah. I mean, look, we well, mentioned, you know, she makes the most of her minutes on this show. She's always a positive sh- presence. Yes, absolutely. Um there are a couple of things I want to call out. The fuck you off between yeah, Jack and I was Gully. Gonna, that's my pick. <laughs> okay. Can we play that without getting delisted from every podcast catcher? I mean, Jesse, if you could cue that up, I just even I play with love me. whatever you got to do. An oil tanker full of fuck you. I mean, that was some masterful swearing. That really top top level, absolutely <laughs> <Yeah>. elite swearing. <laughs> really, Jack? After we've come this far, you're gonna crack open a can of fuck you. Fuck. You, Charlie. I'm fucking ready for any can of fucking fuck you you want to crack open. I fucking love fuck you. I'm standing in front of a fucking house that is powered by fuck you. So fuck you, buddy. You fucking want to crack open another fucking can of fuck you. Fucking drive down here, you motherfucker. Fuck you. I've fucking done so right by you. You can't say fuck you to me. I'll fucking show up to your fucking house with the fucking oil tanker full of fuck you. So fuck you, Jack. Fuck you. I don't know if this is a gimmick or a holy shit moment, but one of my, I th- maybe my favorite moment in this whole episode was when Big Jim starts cutting the promo in promo <laughs> class. Mm-hmm. Only be, I mean, it was a great promo, but only because watching it you don't realize that he gets it that you don't realize that what he's doing until he's doing it you know there's a moment where you're just like is he really is, yeah. is everybody pissed off at each other and <laughs> yeah. somehow big jim is the only one that's like no 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 no. this is a cue right this is an opportunity this is purpose right and and he goes in there and starts cutting this crazy promo while i mean the chin guy I, yes the chin guy could be a wrestler <laughs> <laughs> I like the chin guy rant. He was just being polite. He was just trying to be courteous to Bill, but I enjoyed that. And I also enjoyed Wild Bill telling the dad, 
categorize your return salutation. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> just the language gets more florid by the week with Wow. Oh, the more you overwrite it, the more in I am. It's just, it's <laughs> yeah. so great. <laughs> yeah. um, but anyway, I think that's, I mean, that's pretty much, uh, there, there were a lot of, I, I'm actually, I'm actually going to revise my opinion of this episode based on how wonderful this conversation has just been. <laughs> We've had more to talk about than I expected to. Jesse, I yeah. apologize for our pre, my pre-show com- comments about this being a slow episode with, where not much happened. Everything went as planned. I, I did this on purpose. It was all planned. This is how I wrote it. <laughs> Jesse, did you have anything else that, you, that, that we missed or that you wanted to talk about? No, the the big thing I want to talk about was just Debbie. Just like I, those little heartful moments, especially you can tell with like someone who has so much love for that place gets to shine and you see it. So that that just kind of like it was very heartwarming. And I just wanted to say that she's a national treasure and I never want anyone it's to hurt true. her. And I love the ways mentioned, too. That was that that was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> it is true about Debbie. And I'm glad that you mentioned that again, because we've talked about her on this show several times this season uh, and it's nice to see that the show is seeing this too and it's not it's one thing in, in pro wrestling you know you cheer some if, if somebody starts getting cheers unexpectedly against the script they can adjust in real time right these are live shows it airs live on tv and that's what we expect if we if they're not reacting to the audience then there's a problem um the problem with having a show that's been in the can for a year is that you don't there's no opportunity for them to react and yet intuitively they know they they've mm-hmm. they, and, and not only do they do they give her that opportunity but before that stacy says it out loud you know stacy's just like she loves this place so much she's the best why don't yeah. we promote her to main cast next season that was basically the <laughs> sure yeah <laughs> that was basically the, the the commentary there yeah i just appreciate the show i mean this was not a show with a an obvious main event no in-ring action really other than the floating ring in gully's pool and a lot of setup, as you said, and just kind of marking time until the finale. And yet we've been talking about it for an hour and there's just so much to say because you've got a deep bench and we care about these characters and the show is just well written enough. There's enough nuance that you can really talk through it, even when there's not a, an obvious just everything in, in bright lights sort of event which we get sometimes with the show, but even if we don't, it's yeah. not a downer, right? I, I enjoy every moment of, of watching the show, even if it is sort of a slower episode. And next week will not be. So, well, we will, that, you know, yeah. that's the hope. You, I mean, it's yeah. all sort of like we're letting it ride right now, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, we, every, the whole bet is going to next week being absolutely crazy. And um, man, I, can't, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to wait to watch it. So anyway, I'll see <laughs> yeah. you guys back here next week. Yes. Uh, thank everybody so much for listening. The show has been so much fun. And we got one more. We got one. We got the big finale coming up next mm-hmm. week. Thank you, Ben, for doing this, for being my tag team partner, Jesse Lopez. Thank you for producing this episode uh, and for your insightful commentary, as always. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you back here next week. Keep it noise. Nice.